0: on this episode of pine state gothic
1: i'm the only one there there's not another house in sight it's rural appleton Maine. there's nobody around if i scream
2: and i turned around and i'd opened my eyes and there was a shadow of a man on my door
0: From the moment your eyes open in the morning, you are met with choices, usually mundane. Is it time to get out of bed, eat breakfast, or skip it? Which route to take to work? Which podcasts to listen to on the drive? Only occasionally will you be met with the most primal choice of all, fight or flight. But what if your daily routine is haunted? When someone else's house gives you the creeps, you usually have the luxury of going home. Where do you run if your house has the creep factor? And if you stay, how do you take on a ghost? I'm Leah Watkins, on this episode of Pine State Gothic, Surviving a Haunting in Maine. Rachel's pet sitting job in Appleton took a sinister turn when she realized she wasn't the only one staying at her client's cabin in the woods. Here she is to tell you what happened.
1: My name is Rachel, and this story happened in Appleton, Maine, about 11 years ago when I was in college. And I was in college and home from school for winter break. And all through high school and college, I did a lot of pet sitting for people. I would go stay in their homes and take care of their animals and try to keep up their normal routine. And when I came home that week, I'd gotten a last-minute request to go pet sit for a woman who lived in Appleton. And I said, yes, I'd never been, been to their home before. But I went and I met them, and she was this really sweet young mom with two little kids and... A really sweet, like six month old golden retriever puppy, and a really fat, adorable orange tabby cat, and chickens. So, her husband was away out of town for the week, and she decided she was rather go home and spend time with her family and visit with the kids than just stay at this little place by herself. It was this really cute old hunting cabin turned into a home. It was really small on a beautiful piece of land out in Appleton. And I guess the house was at least probably 150 years old as a camp. And I think the house had been the house for, you know, not terribly long, 50 years or less. They might have not been the ones to convert it, but it was a cute new little home for them. And we went through the whole routine, take care of the chickens, take care of the dog, cat, easy peasy. So she leaves. I spend my first day there and it's lovely and gorgeous and having a fun time with the dog. And I get everybody settled and I go in the house. And your first night in a new house is always a little creepy. I always check out that there's no one behind the shower curtain and just make sure all the windows and doors are locked. It's winter in Maine, it's middle of December and it's cold. So everything's tight and snug and ready to be cozy for the evening. And it was just quiet, but I had an odd feeling. I was like psyching myself, like Rachel, this is ridiculous. It's just your first evening in house. It's always weird. Stop imagining things. Like I've done lots of pet sitting and the first night's always a little creepy, but then usually by night two, I settle right in. And I can't tell you anything specific happened that first night other than I just felt odd and like I was being watched. And so I went upstairs to their bedroom and it was just a little tiny living room downstairs, a little kitchen. And then the upstairs, the stairs opened into the main bedroom. It was one reasonable sized bedroom and then a little tiny room off the other side of the stairs. There's no wall or door, and they had a big bed, and I was just up there reading, and it wasn't fun. <laughs> it was just odd, and I go to bed, and I had weird dreams, just being all nervous. But I did this a lot. This is something I did, and the first night's the worst, and then it gets better. So the next day, I'm hanging out, and I invited a friend over, and we were out walking and checking out the chickens and playing with the puppy. And I was like, please spend the night with me. I'll make something fun for dinner. And she came and spent some time in the house and had planned to spend the night with me. And by about 8 o'clock, she's like, nope, I can't do it. This place is creepy. I was like, no, no, please don't leave me here alone. But she did. So she left. And I'm like, this is fine. You're not in any danger. So I settled my nice little dinner, took care of everybody. And the puppy slept in a crate downstairs in the kitchen. So I make sure everyone's tucked windows are shut, everything's snug, puppy's in its kennel for the night, and I go upstairs to read, and I'm laying up in the bed, and I hear noises in the kitchen, and I've just made sure everything's locked and shut. I'm the only one there. There's not another house in sight. It's rural Appleton, Maine. There's nobody around if I scream, and there's cabinet noises. I can hear cabinets opening and shutting really loudly, like slamming shut. It's not like, did I hear something? No, they were loud. And it sounded like someone was stomping around the kitchen looking for food. And I was nervous. I was like, no, no, this is okay. You're fine. I just, you're, whatever it is, just stay in bed. I'm in the bed and I'm playing the reading. and I'm just trying to ignore the sound. And then I hear the footsteps coming up the stairs. And since the stairs opened the bedroom, there was nowhere to hide. And I'm hearing the footsteps like it's just the cat. That's a really big chubby cat, it's just the cat going up and down the stairs, they're old, they're creaky. And I look over and the cat is curled up next to me in bed. And that was about all I could take. So I ran downstairs, grabbed my bag, got the puppy. Yet again, no one was in the house. I locked it all up. I. Got the puppy, got in my car, and I barely made it out of the icy winter driveway, and I went home to my parents. I spent the rest of the week, I would go in the mornings, I would take care of everybody, I would go check them in the afternoons, I had the puppy at my parents' house with me, and I would not be at that house after dark. And I never offered to return, that was a long week. And I understand now why I think she didn't want to be there home alone. Big guy energy in that house and it felt like like a guy out there by himself. They had like tons of acres, there was nobody else around. It was cold winter, and I knew everything was locked and shut, but it sounded like a guy was in there slamming open cabinets and drawers and looking for some food, and then was stomping up the stairs, and there was nobody there to be seen.
0: Thank you, Rachel. Fortunately, Rachel was able to fulfill her pet-sitting duties without needing to stay overnight at the house. For Holly, a single mom of two renting in Ellsworth, it wasn't as simple as packing up the kids and finding something else. She had to stay and fight for her home. She's going to tell you how that went when Pine State Gothic continues. Holly and her two children had just found the single-family rental of their dreams in Ellsworth, when they very quickly realized they weren't the only residents.
2: My name is Holly, and this is my story from Ellsworth Maine. We moved into our house on December 28, 2010. We were really lucky to get it, it just kind of opened up, fell in our laps, and so we were super excited. It was a, over a hundred year old farmhouse. We had moved in, um, the kids and I had brought everything into the house. We'd been living out of totes for a while. In the middle of unpacking, we were kind of hungry. We didn't have anything in our fridge yet. So my daughter and I went across the street to get something to eat. You know, at this time, my daughter was eight years old, and my son was six, and my son wanted to stay at the house. He didn't want to go across the street because it was cold, and the house was warm and whatnot. So we were across the street for, I would say, under 10 minutes. When we walked back across to the house, went up the driveway to the door. Um, my son was curled up outside of the door without a coat. He was just bawling his eyes out. And I asked him uh, what in the world he was doing there. And he said that there was a man going up the stairs and he was scared. Um, and so he ran outside of the house. And I, I didn't know what to think. I said, there wasn't anyone else in the house, at least, you know, it hadn't been less than 10 minutes ago. Um, I got him back inside and I said, you know, I'm going to show there's nobody in the house. So I walked all around the house, went upstairs, looked in all the rooms, came back downstairs, and I said that there wasn't anyone in the house. Things started happening within a week. You could hear thumps throughout the house. My kids at the time slept in the room with me. Um, and they would get scared that they could hear something something um, around upstairs or downstairs. And I would just tell them not to worry about it. And maybe it was the house settling because, you know, it's old. And houses get creaky and make noises. The incidents started to ramp up activity where our bedrooms are. there would be thumps on my door. I hear voices in the hallway, like people having a conversation, although I couldn't make the words out. So here I am, on my own, with a six and an eight-year-old, and I'm trying to remain calm and just kind of brush everything off and not show off any reaction or try to give off any sense of fear, um, but my anxiety was really rising on the inside, um, and I can only assume that whatever was making the noise didn't like that. I wasn't really giving it anything to work with, so the, the real fun began. <laughs> so the way our house is set up is this. When you go in the front door, The stairs are almost straight in front of you, running along the right side of the house, and the kitchen and the rest of the downstairs is to the left. And when you go up the stairs, you have to go... There's a corner wall right there, so you have to turn left, go into the hallway, and go back, and the bedrooms are up at that. So my room is immediately to the left, Once you turn, it's at the front of the house over the kitchen. Um, So I can look from my bed and see the little space at the top of the stairs. So obviously, if someone were to use said stairs, I could definitely hear them. The noises started to ramp up at night. It didn't take me long to realize that it would only start after I had turned off my light to go to sleep and once the light was off something would start within a couple of minutes start stomping up and down the stairs and they weren't normal steps they were it was like deliberately forceful it was like it was looking to make as much noise as it could you know i'm thinking i'm going crazy some nights You know, when my cat was on the bed with me, she'd be startled by the sound. We'd both be staring out the door, looking for what was going on. To keep my kids from being freaked out, my plan was to stay up as late as I could. Make sure that they were deep into sleep before I turned off the light. As soon as I turned off the light, it would start stomping up and down. It would start walking the hallways. So, a little bit after that, it started doing more stuff. started opening and closing doors upstairs. I could hear what sounded like light switches being turned on and off, even though the lights weren't affected anywhere. The hallway light was always on because of my daughter. She's scared of the dark. That was always on. There was... One particular night when it was really bad, there were footsteps in the hallway, the switches being turned on and off, the doors swinging, what sounded like metal being dropped on the hallway floor. And I mean, it kept going on and on. Um, I'd been going on very little sleep as this entity would keep me up long into the night. I was dragging during the day and really, feeling bad for my kids because I was just not there. So finally I had the idea of using earbuds and listening to music to drown out the sound because I had to sleep. So it, it, it worked um, for the most part, but it seemed like the, the ghost um, knew what I was doing. And would be even louder because I could I could hear it through the music, the stomping and the banging. You know how you get that feeling, that that feeling you get when when you're being watched. I I would know when the empty was in my room. Sometimes there would be footsteps walking into my bedroom, and they would just stop, and I could just feel eyes staring at me but I didn't always hear it enter. Some nights when it was silent, I would suddenly have that feeling and I knew something was in the room with me and I just deliberately turned my back to it. I'm not, because I don't want to give it, I don't want to show any fear or I don't want to give it, give a reaction, I guess. Um, Like maybe leave me alone or something. So even though I was, I was trying to take the brunt of all this for my kids, um, it wasn't entirely successful. They would tell me about them waking up during the night because of the commotion. One day my son came up to me and I could tell he was really upset. He said that he saw an old man in the hallway and it scared him. And so I'm like, an old man, and, you know, and I, I was asking him questions about what happened he said that he was in my bed one night while I was asleep. I guess there was a noise or something, and he looked out my door, and the old man was at the top of the stairs looking into my room. I really didn't know what to say. What can you say to that? So in February, there was a night that was probably the most frightening to me. At that point, I was leaving the light on when going to bed just to make it less scary. I I think I had bought um, one of those sleeping masks that go over your eyes just because I I had no idea what to do. (laughs) Um, I just laid down and gotten comfortable on the bed when I felt something heavy lift up from the foot of my bed. Like someone had been sitting there before I had laid down and had gotten up. Um, And I mean, I froze. I shut my eyes tight. and I didn't move for a couple of minutes. And finally my brain came up with a solution. It really didn't make much sense, but I was grabbing onto it. And it's like maybe, maybe it was the cat that jumped off the bed even though I knew that a cat could not have that kind of weight but I clung to that idea because it was a lot better than something that would, you know, what I was thinking. I rolled over in bed and kept thinking please be the cat, please be the cat, please be the cat. So I, I opened my eyes and the cat was fast asleep in the middle of the room pretty much oblivious to my terror. I rolled back over and just kept my eyes shut. I was scared out of my mind, but then I didn't want to give any reaction. And I was afraid that if I did, things would get worse. So, my friends had heard the stories of my ghost problems. I had even told my, my priest about what was going on just in conversation. He thought that it was the coolest thing ever. One of my friends said that she had gotten rid of ghosts before and she could come over and get rid of mine. Um, I was at this point at my wits end and I said, no, come on, it won't get any worse. Uh, We planned for her to come over um, a couple nights later. So she gets over here. She's got like an antique rosary. I can't even remember what all she brought. She was, you know, walking around the house, and then she went down into the cellar. She asked if I wanted to go, and I'm like, not really, because the cellar is one of those um, old stone cellars. It's slow. It's creepy. Um, I was already creeped out enough. If she was going to be wrestling with something down there, I... really didn't want any part of it so she went into the cellar twice and i could hear her yelling from down, down there she said there were four of them there were four spirits living in in my cellar Now, of course i never saw them so this is just what she was telling me she said it was a grandmother and three little girls and she said that they had um died in a fire, and that they now stayed at the house and they lived in the cellar. Again, I wasn't there, and I didn't see it, is what she said. But I think on the second time that she went down there, she came back up and her antique grocery was broken. She said that something had grabbed it and pulled on it and snapped it. She comes back upstairs. She said the spirit, something was going around the house and I could hear my cat. My cat started screaming as loud as a person and tried to claw and bite her. And then we could hear footsteps running upstairs. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it sounded like a fantasy story, but it was so wild right then. I was tired and freaked out, you know, by the time it settled down, I was exhausted. So she said that it was gone and that it wouldn't bother me anymore. I, it was so intense, but we had just, I mean, we had had a tough few months and, you know, finally finding a house, we had moved back up to Maine, finally found a house um you know and we'd signed the lease um there's nothing to rent in Ellsworth um so it would have been near impossible to find something else so i'm like well we're gonna suck it up so and it did die down it it wasn't as aggressive as it had been there There wasn't any more stomping up and down the stairs. There wasn't any more deliberate pounds on walls or on doors, you know. There was nothing deliberately trying to scare us. But things still kept happening. You know, I remember one night I heard a heavy thump in the kitchen. It shook the house a little bit. And then the sound of some, something heavy being dragged through the kitchen, and at that point I was just like, oh, okay, I'll check it out when I go down in the morning. You know, things were going missing, you know, like one day my house and car keys disappeared. I didn't find them for years. I finally found them stuffed with a canvas bag in a closet. In the back bedroom. Like, I have no idea how it got in there. But a friend of mine gave me some advice whenever something goes missing now and I can't find it, like something's just there, and then I turn for a second and come back, it's gone. I go, haha, uh-huh. yeah, you got me. That was a good one, but I need my stuff so that I can do this and then I'll find it, you know, a few minutes later. As regards the history of the house, I was curious and at that time I was um I was an intern at the tax assessor's office for the city of Ellsworth and we looked up my house. So, it said that the land was the the plot of land was purchased in 1896. The house was built in 1900, um, I didn't see anything really stand out until there sometime in the 70's, um, the house did catch on fire, and it was on the backside. you know, where people extend their houses back, and so it was the newer part of the house, and they did burn. And it had been rebuilt but there weren't any deaths associated with it and I have tried to look up old newspaper records and whatnot, but that long ago. It's it's kinda hard to find out um information. I never had any problems with ghosts before. It's just, it started up here. It's just really weird, but we, you know, like I said, we're kind of at a peaceful coexistence. Occasionally, you know, you can hear somebody, something knocking around. My daughter still hears footsteps in the hallway, but I don't hear it. (laughs) So it's not pounding, you know, trying to make noise. It's just walking. And I think there are, you know, up in New England, that houses are so old. I mean, I would think that most of the houses have at least one spirit rattling around in them somewhere. So the ghost, you know, occasionally it does still make noises. But now it, it kind of, you know, I'm not sure who it is. It does things just to let me know that it's still here, it would, you know, a couple of times, I have a a ceiling fan in my bedroom that's broken, I'd be laying in bed, and fan blades would start moving, not fast, but slow, just like something pushing it a little bit. And you know it could go on for a few minutes, and then it would stop. Another time, the pull cord for the fan it was wrapped around um, the base. It was tangled up. I couldn't get it undone, and I was like, "Well, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later." So actually, I was sick one day, and. I was gonna go and try to uh, undo it, and I looked up, and it was completely untangled and hanging straight down. So it actually did a did a nice thing for me. But now, every few months, it, uh, I'll find the uh, the pull cord draped over one of the lights, just to say I'm here, you know, hello, don't forget about me. It's kind of more like a friendly, playful thing now. We kind of peacefully coexist. I have not had anything heavy like a person sit on my bed since that one time, but strangely enough, a cat, I could feel a cat on my pillow and it will walk across the pillow, like above my head. Um, or sometimes on my bed and I happened to mention it to my daughter and she's like, oh yeah, it's been on my bed too so somehow we picked up a cat I've seen a woman in my house out of the corner of my eye nothing happened she was just standing I was sitting in the living room and she had on a long black skirt and a white blouse and her hair was done up in a bun. It just seemed like dressed from around, you know, the turn of the 1800s, 1900s. The only thing after that, about four months ago, my door was halfway open, and the hallway light's still on because my daughter's still scared of the dark. And so, the light was shining on my door because there's a, there's a light right outside of my bedroom and I turned around and I'd opened my eyes and there was a shadow of a man on my door and he had to have been standing like right there because as I said the light is just outside my bedroom door and after that I just kind of Rolled back the other way, and um, just tried to ignore it, even though it—it it definitely gave me a start. It opens windows occasionally, but it's more like a "Hello, I'm here." I guess it, you know whoever it or they are decided to like our family. I guess the, maybe the one ran, you know, went away, or maybe it just, you know, we showed it that we weren't going anywhere. But either way, it it, kind of has a happy ending. We just kind of peacefully coexist. (laughs)
0: Thank you again to my contributors, Holly and Rachel, for trusting me with your stories. This episode featured music by Blue Dot Sessions. Pine State Gothic is edited and produced by me, Leah Watkins. I want to hear your experiences of the mysterious, magical, mystical, or murderous side of Maine. Please email me at pinestategothic@gmail.com. At